We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Everybody, Steve with Sense Fidelity. I'm coming at you with another edition of, I don't know what you want to call this one, uh, how we use Jacko videos and turn it into a little Catholic light into it, or see it in a Catholic light. It throws a lot of great stuff out there, so we're just looking at so how can you use this stuff for growing in holiness and being a saint. So anyway, we're looking at excuses. We kind of previewed this last week, or last time we did this, I wonder if it was. And uh, everyone has them. Everyone uses them. No one likes to take ownership of it. But if you, again, this is why I love what he did. And I, I love Father for bringing me, uh, introduced me to him uh, a couple years ago when I was back in Denver. So anyways, let's get into what he says about excuses. For instance, you're in a, in a sailing race, right? In a See? sailboat. Sure. And the mast snaps in half. Now you don't win the race. Mm. But, I mean, you didn't, you know, the mast snapped. Mm. What can you do about that? Or the weather's the horrible weather rolls in and you can't launch your aircraft so you can't go on your mission mm -hmm. you can't control the weather so you know like what's up how can that that's a reason or you get really sick so you can't compete in a competition that's a reason you know you were sick or you do bad because you were sick and you it's a reason could be called now now you could look at the situation and say okay if i'm going to take ownership of this did I properly test the mast? Sure. Did I? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Did we have a ground-based plan for the operation in case the weather came in, we were going to take vehicles instead? Mm. Right? Yeah. That would work. If you get sick before the competition, maybe you ask yourself, were you resting properly? Were you eating properly going into the competition so you wouldn't get sick? Mm. You could address that. Correct? Yes, sir. So, you can still take all... Yeah, because you could, you could do everything you can and get sick. But if you're not sleeping well, partying all night, burning the both ends of the candle and expecting to play in the Olympics or whatever, and you come down like, wow, I'm just not... I'm, you know, I can't move. There's something wrong. You have to take ownership of that. You can't just blame, ah, I got a virus or a bug or bacteria hit me up. Hey, could have handled it a little bit better. Didn't eat right. Eating Coke and bonbons all day long. All of a sudden, I got a little fat. Ownership of things, even if the initial reaction is like, oh, there's, you can't control that. Well, you can influence it. You can mitigate it, right? Now, can there still be legitimate reasons? Yes, there can. And for me, the, the, the difference, the line between an excuse and a reason is a reason you have zero control over, right? You, have zero, you just have zero control over something happening. Well, that's a reason. That's an example of what happened last year with the diocese closing down. Say down south of me in Diocese of Charleston, they were all shut down. Here in 
Charlotte, they were closed, but there were still priests being priests. In South Carolina, they basically had their faculties taken away. So, okay, you could look at it and say, all right, I have a reason. <laughs> Something happened like this, and I can't do it. I, I got an excuse to the, uh, no excuse. I got a reason. Uh, the bishop took away all faculties. None of the churches open. What am I going to do? You could have taken ownership of it going, well, I can get in the car, and I know there's a priest up there across the border that's doing confessions every day of the week. Multiple priests were. Maybe they're having masses. Multiple, multiple priests were every day. And some of them with a wink-wink. All right, yeah, only 10 people allowed in. And you could have used the excuse, I'm just going to sit at home, click on TV, watch it, not even shower, uh, grow kind of lukewarm in a sense. Well, you could have taken a, the aggressive look at it, beyond the offensive, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, taking ownership, everybody get in the car, let's go. You're in charge of that family. You get up to Judgment Day, you don't have any, you can't look left and right and blame somebody else up there. Oh, who are you going to blame? The priest, the pope, the, the bishops, your wife, your husband, your kids, the priest. Uh, did I say priest already? <laughs> you can't blame anybody come Judgment Day. That's ultimate ownership. You're going to take responsibility for everything you say, do, type. That's right. Even typing is going to be is going to be accused on us. We're going to have to own up for every idle word and word we type. It's a lot of maybe bloggers and Twitter people don't understand that one. I don't know. But you're not going to be able to get away with blaming other people come judgment day. Might want to start pressing that down here. Did I tell you I was almost late the other day for some reason? <laughs> traffic prior to leaving and taking a completely different route mm -hmm. that would have been i blame myself yeah. so even in that situation i'm kind of i i was thinking the whole time what why did you why didn't i check the traffic before i left i knew this could have happened mm -hmm. so he's playing he was uh, i fast forward because i don't want to go through the whole thing but anyways he goes through an incident when he left an hour early and because of an accident on the road and they rerouted everything he got there in time with four or five minutes to spare think about that when you go to mass do you cut cut it short that if anything happens, you're late? Or you're already late before you get in the car? Or you take a link, all right, we're going to get there 20 minutes early, but we're going to be 20 minutes beforehand. So if anything happens, we're good. So anyways, in my opinion, an excuse is when you blame something that you could have controlled. And a reason is something that you have absolutely no control over whatsoever. You know, you think of like a legit disease. I mean, sometimes people have, they just don't, you can't control that. It happens. But I think, and I think this is the important part. I think that what you will find, especially when you approach the world with an attitude of extreme ownership, and that's that you're not going to make any excuses, you're not going to blame anyone else, is that you actually have a lot more control over things than you think you do. Get the book that he's talking about, Extreme Ownership. Get it. Yeah, it's right for businesses. You can pretty much incorporate everything he says into your own life. We've talked about this before. When I go to the airport, I get there really early mm -hmm. because it's something that you have no control over. You're going to stand in that TSA line and those people are going to take forever and that's the way it is. And if you want to get mad at them, it doesn't matter. You, yeah. can't, you can't control, you cannot control it in any way. 
you can stand at the back and my flight's leaving in 30 minutes and they'll be like whatever you should have showed up earlier yeah you can't control it so in those situations how do you control it you show up early you take ownership of it you show up early you don't just oh i don't know what happened the traffic was bad i mean it's there's a million excuses you can give there are some people that blame uh traditional parishes for being in the middle of the ghetto basically terrible areas they pretty much the nicest gives them to it because no one wants that parish they know it's a bad section probably so give it to them okay that's an excuse what are you gonna do about it? own up to it convert the neighborhood convert the the area around there all of a sudden now you got a thriving catholic area there when they had these the black lives matter the blm groups going after some parishes convert the area have a i don't know have a farmer's market in the parking lot Bring people in to sell to the neighborhood. Invite give them miraculous medals. Have a Q&A with the neighborhood with the priest doing the, uh, doing the answering once a week. There's thousands of ideas you can come up with. If you come up at 10 years after you have a parish in the middle of the, the ghetto and that ghetto has not changed, own up to it. It's not. I mean, what have you done? Seriously think about, go get in there and go, what have we done to make this a Catholic neighborhood? Because if you're trying to think, hey, we got to convert the world, and you can't convert the area around your parish, I think we, we got a little backwards there. That should be the easiast thing. If you have a good, if you have a good liturgy with some solid priests and the, and teachings going on and a thriving neighbor, and thriving people, everyone loved, everyone happy with each other, and things like this, and you can't convert the neighbor across the street, literally across a sandwich, not even a sandwich, a chip shot away. From that parish, they can't be. If, if none of those houses could become Catholic, that's something wrong. Your focus is way off. Everybody in that neighborhood, no matter where any parish is, no matter who it is, should be going to that parish. You should be doing everything in your power to be able to do that. All night adorations, no rosaries, miraculous smells, putting stuff on the door on the door, say, "Hey, we got a fish fry. Please come." Just inviting them over, even if they're not even having any anything special like a catechism class or have free pizza and beer uh, no, pizza and beer would be great pizza and, uh, oh, pizza and drinks for the neighborhood come in with the Q&A's bring up your toughest questions put a sign out saying this is what we're going to do all are welcome <laughs> use that sign everyone you can all is welcome to come in here and ask us questions about the faith you should convert that neighborhood convert that area that's around your parish no questions asked no excuses but we don't think about that. We don't own up to that. We blame everything else and we wonder why we're in a bad neighborhood. Look in the mirror. What have you done? What have you not, have, have you done everything you can to work, convert that area? Convert your neighborhood. Things like that. Don't stop worrying about the world. People are going to say, oh, well, this mass is too crowded. Okay. How many other masses they got at that parish? One, two, three, four. Some have five. I think someone had five. I think I was told some had five. I don't know. It just depends on the parish anymore. I mean, millions of parishes. <laughs> All right. You go to the busy one. What time is it? 11, 12 o'clock? Okay. Well, is the 8.30 or the 8 o'clock or the 7.30 or 9 o'clock? Is that less? Yeah. Well, then go to the 7, 8, 9 o'clock one. If you can't get a seat inside and you have to watch it on TV because the parish is growing and thriving, which is a good thing. And you're upset that you have to watch it on TV? Get up earlier and go. Well, it's getting up early. Well, go to bed earlier. You don't have to be up at 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning answering Twitter receipts if you're on Twitter or whatever. You, you don't go to bed early. Get, go to bed. Have the discipline to go to bed early, to get up early, to get the kids in the car and go. 
Stop blaming other people. Uh, I've got the dispensation. Okay, that's the reason. Still can go. I know people that drove one, two, three hours. There's a guy in Kansas. Is it Kansas? Western Kansas that drives three hours to go to Mass at uh, Arlie Mount Carmel Endeavor. Three hours. He's also the Grand Knight where he was. I think he's someone else now. But he was for a year, quite a few times, two or three times. He was the Grand Knight. He didn't have to be the Grand Knight. And he lived in Kansas and still drove. He never had, I never heard that guy had an excuse in my life about showing up. He was there on time, too. If he was, if he was late, I don't remember him being late on any of the meetings or even at Mass. There's always, a, there's always a way to do it. It's a, how much do you want it? Do you want to become a saint? Or do you want to just say, well, you know, if, oh, woe is me. Uh, priests aren't doing what I asked them to. The Pope's bad. The bishops are bad. The priests are this. Oh, I'm just going to blame everybody else but myself. That's not taking ownership. And it's pretty bad excuses. The traffic was bad. I mean, it's, there's a million excuses you can give. If you get that attitude... Where you're not going to make excuses you'll actually take ownership of the things and then you'll actually solve problems before they even happen if i go into an appointment and i have the excuse in my back of my head that you know what if i'm late i'll just say it was the traffic yeah, yeah. i have a much more increased chance of being late yeah. you may even stop and do do something even make you even more late you're not in a rush you're not like, oh well it's it a mindset you got to get your mind right we said it before before we were playing uh, uh, during my junior college basketball days, everybody would always just start looking at each other and say, get your mind right, get your mind. Everybody would tell each other that. That was like the motto, get your mind right. We won. We'd win. <laughs> Every team I was always, always on would win. You had to get your mind right. Who's maker? How do I stop making excuses and get things done? <laughs> the... Chronic excuse maker. How do you stop making excuses? This is actually pretty simple. It is very. Yeah, and I said it the other day, it. and you have to realize, you have to know, you have to accept that all your excuses are lies. They are lies, all of them. Think about the things that you tell yourself the lies you use to rationalize taking the easy road. That's the main thing. It's the easy road. Everyone wants the easy road. No one wants to do the hard. You know, the whole idea it's, it's supposed to be hard. The hard makes it great. Or the legal road. It's supposed to be tough. That's what makes it great. No one wants to do the hard road. Even Christ said, you know, the, the road is hard and narrow. The road to hell is, is easy and wide. We always still want to take that wide and easy road. In excuses, this is actually pretty simple. Yeah, and I said it the other day, and you have to realize, you have to know, you have to accept that all your excuses are lies. They are lies, all of them. Think about the things that you tell yourself, the lies you use to rationalize taking the easy road. Taking the easy road and leaving discipline behind. Think about them. You don't have time. How many people have the excuse? I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read. I don't have time to read the scriptures. I don't have time to do mental prayer. I don't have time to go to Adoration. 
perfect excuses like time-wise. Oh, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read the scriptures. I don't have time to read Dom Gurdjie. I don't have time to uh, read books of the saints. I don't have time to play with the family. I don't have time to go to mass. I don't have time to drive to go to mass. I don't have time to go to adoration. I don't have time to do mental prayer. I don't have time to do night adoration at the home. I don't have time to do you name it. If you go through and be an honest, honest detail of what your daily, what your day goes through, how many times you're spending on social media, how many times you uh, looking at uh, stupid YouTube videos. How many times are you uh, watching TV? How many times are you uh, staring out of space? I don't know. <laughs> uh, how many times? Are you, I mean, how many times you tweet or looking at Instagram or something like that? And you take the fat out of your day and, and add up how many hours? It's like we did in the last podcast. Hours people will spend on on social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Hours. You have time. You don't have support. You have support. You have friends. That's a lie. Family. You don't have the equipment or the gear. Lies. I can just use that for like what I'm doing. I'm pretty much... <laughs> Compared to everyone else that has podcast stuff like this, I have literally no idea what I'm doing. And I have a buddy of mine bought me some this little functionaire thing. I have no idea what that is, but it works. I figured it out, got it to the right thing. I took a photo of it so that if any of the kids come in and start messing with the knobs, that I can at least set the knobs back to where it is. It's kind of like an ownership of it. I'm going to own up that the kids could go through that door. And when I'm not in here, I try close and I keep the door closed, but one of them knows how to open the door. And if they dial the thing, I at least have the option to go put it back to where it was before. I put everything where it needs to be so that in case something like that happens, I have an idea of where everything is because I have zero clue what that knob right there does. <laughs> I know that's a, the volume one, but I'm going to forget where it's located, which way it's finding, which way it's looking, etc. But I know it's a backup plan so that if something happens like that, I can fix it. And then I can't blame other people for it. You don't you don't know the best way. Who cares? That's a lie. Or that's for darn sure. Things going on right now. You don't know the best way of this. Okay. Uh, Society is going to you know where in a handbasket. Okay. You don't know exactly. Well, figure it out. Read the news. See what's going on. Come up with some ideas. Look it up on the online, like uh, homesteading or growing your own stuff or uh, just. Getting off, not getting off totally off the grid, but I'm saying, you know, being able to farmers market or butchers, find out who it is, find out who's doing what. There's ways to do it. Or you're too old or you're too young. Of course, you're too old or too young. Lie. Too old to do what? Hmm? Too young to do what? Lead? Never too old, too young to lead. Never too old, too young to learn. Never too young or old to stay. Never too young or old to see a problem and figure out something to, to, to fix the problem or work on conversions, work on evangelization. There's no age limit. I mean, there might be a height limit on a ride at Tweetsie, but that's it. And there's, you're too busy. Sure you are. We used to joke when I was a personal trainer of all these guys that would come in with Bluetooth in there. This is back, you know, 
2005, 2005, 2006, 2007. You see all these guys blue, or their blackberries on their hips while they're working out. And we would always joke, oh, yeah, you're, you're that busy. You're that you're that important that you need a Bluetooth in your, while you're on the treadmill <laughs> in an area where the uh, Internet or the Wi-Fi really didn't work too well. Everyone likes to think they're too busy. Nah, it's, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. People go, how do you have time to do this? I figure it out. Yeah, I might. I put. I translated. Not translate. I put two tra chapters of the Spanish Bible together this morning. I uh, did a couple videos. We did the news show. We did this. I'm doing this right now. I did an interview before that. I uh, got the kids over there in the corner. Not in the corner. <laughs> in the corner. Yeah. No. <laughs> got the kids over there. We're about to go play. Uh, go to a water. Not water park, but one of those uh, splash parks. Uh, still got time. We'll still have time for mass and eat and be able to hang out with the family afterwards and sit down with the wife after. How'd you figure it? Yeah, figure it. You do it. Yeah, don't just do X and then say, oh, I'm going to twiddle my thumbs for 20 for twenty minutes or an hour or two hours or play on Twitter for, you know, if I, even if when I go on Twitter, I'm, I'm putting everything, what I'm looking for. I already got the ones I'm wanting to follow, mostly secular news, and I'm already retweeting it before, you know, so don't take me. I'll, I'll look at it. I'll, if you put a time on there, I might have sent out 12, 15 tweets a day. I probably spent... 30, 45 seconds, maybe. I saw what I needed to go, boom. Maybe a minute. I was like, oh, we'll give a minute. We'll say 15 minutes tops, tops. But I'm not looking on there to see what everyone else is doing, eating, things like that. I'm looking for the news specifically for what I'm doing for the, for the project we're working on, and then go from there. That's a lie. <laughs> and you're too tired or you're too... Too tired. Take a nap. Go work, work out, do a, do a burpee or something, get some blood flowing. Uh, check, make sure that you have a, your, uh, your everything inside you is working well. Maybe your heart needs a little pick-me-up. Get a supplement or something to give you a better uh, better energy. Get some better sleep. Go to bed earlier. Wake up uh, on time. Don't sleep in until 9 o'clock. Go to bed early. Get up early. Go to bed late. Whatever works for you. Make sure you're sleeping well. Sore or you're just plain not feeling it. Lies. Lies, lies. That was the idea of, are you hurt or are you injured? Are you hurt as in, uh, <laughs> it's just a flesh wound, sir. Your leg's falling off. That's hurt. Or are you just sore or injured saying, I can push through. And the list goes on and on and on. And it doesn't stop if you don't make it stop. So, Recognize. Recognize the excuses are not valid. They aren't. Again, even with everything that was going on last year, you can come up with an excuse and in your head you can reason saying, all right, that was an excuse. We should, yeah, we can, don't have to go to mass for a year or whatever it is for uh, because X, Y, Z. No. Get your, how much do you want it? Get the mass. You still have all right, the, the dispensation came was lifted. Do you need a dispensation to go? Do you, do you need an obligation to go to mass to worship our Lord? No, you should do anything in your power to get the mass. You should read the book Father Michael Mueller on Holy Sacrifice at a Mass. You you're going to Calvary. You're going to. You should be. It talks about Our Lady. You know, hearing the news from Saint John the Evangelist and walking towards Calvary crying the entire way. <laughs> I don't know. We don't think about that when we're going to Mass. We've got something playing in the car, the kids screaming, things like that. 
But you get and you're going there to offer sacrifice to our Lord from the Mass. So do you need to be told you have to go to go? You should want to go. You should you should have to have somebody slash your tires and just destroy your car and blow up the roads before to keep you from going. And then still you should be able to figure out some way. All right, well, I guess I got to go about four hours earlier so we can uh, hunchback or a cow or ride a horse or you know, ride a bike, whatever to get them. There should be no, nothing to stop you, especially something that there's no bodies in the street over. They're trumped up. They're conjured up. They're fabricated. They're lies. And how do you stop the lies? You stop the lies with the truth. The truth. The truth will set you free. The truth will stand and the truth will deliver you from procrastination and laziness and the downward spiral that comes with a lack of discipline. That's the big thing right there, lack of discipline. Anybody has an excuse about everything usually has a lack of discipline to go behind it. Couldn't do this because of X, Y, Z. Showed up late. You didn't have discipline to get there early. Uh, didn't have time to pray. You didn't have discipline to find time to pray. Didn't read the scripture. You didn't have discipline to do that. Your, your mind was all out of whack. There's something else is going on. You have excuses. It's, it usually comes from a lack of discipline. So don't believe the lies. Believe the truth. Now, the truth is you have time. You have the skill, you have the knowledge and the support and the willpower and the discipline to get it done. That was one thing about uh, when I first started doing this, uh, I said the, uh, when he says the skill, I don't think I do have the skill, but <clears throat> it was one of those things. Stop making excuses. Do it. Anything worth badly, anything worth doing is worth doing badly is with the line from Chesterton. I was I was texting people up. I want you to do an interview on this. Why don't you do an interview on this? Instead of me asking other people to do something like that, I was like, all right, let me own up to it. I'll try to do it the best I can, learn as I go, and we'll get the message out there. And we got there's I got some great stuff lined up for down the road. But if I didn't do that, I made the excuse we would never have any of this stuff. So Cast out the lies, burn them down. And listen to the truth. So let's talk about ownership on this. And when a team takes ownership of its problems, the problems get solved. And that is true on the battlefield, it is true in business, and it is true in life. Think about the church, yeah. So I say, take ownership. Take extreme ownership. Don't make excuses. Don't blame any other person or any other thing. Amen. Get control of your ego. That's a big one. Someone says anything about it, all of a sudden, we're now we're upset at everyone, we're mad, anger, writing blogs, putting videos against them, blasting somebody in person. A lot of egos out there. Don't hide your delicate pride from the truth. I mean, how many have, how many got just so delicate? 
that if a priest or bishop told them X, Y, Z, they lost their minds, they got mad, and they they just went after him. Same people that went at, just like this that whole priest thing. They got someone got mad at a priest for this and never once called out all the dioceses for closing down. The was it Ontario diocese that banned baptism? I think in France right now it's still like that. And no, it's in Ireland, Dublin Archdiocese. They don't have baptisms. I have never seen any of these people calling that out. But they have no problem calling out a local priest. That's take ownership of everything in your world, the good and the bad. Almost in the sense of uniformity to God's will. Read Uniformity of God's Will. Tam Books has it. You get it for like, I don't know, two bucks. It's 33 pages long. Get multiple. I got a whole box so that if we ever have another Eucharistic Congress, I'm passing them out to give to people. Maybe I'll buy some more and be able to do it. I got 100 right now. Maybe I'll, maybe it's 200. I got 100 or 200. Uh, that we're going to get, I'm going to give out. Get that book. Get two and pass them, pass one out. Being able to accept what is God, what is God's will for you. Good and the bad. Well, what you perceive as a bad. Take ownership of your mistakes, take ownership of your shortfalls, take ownership of your problems, and then take ownership of the solutions that will get those problems solved. Big amen. Own up to everything. <laughs> what her father did once, said, you married a bad wife? You asked her. Take ownership of that. You do this, you are, your fault. You are late, your fault. This happened? My fault. Stop going here, point here, 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 making excuses for this. If you haven't seen this this, uh, this lecture of his, it's fantastic. He took ownership for his own men getting killed because the buck stopped with him. If you're your family, the husband, the buck stops with you. <clears throat> Priest, the buck stops with you. Bishops, the buck stops with you. Take ownership of that. It's my fault. Why did it, it we can do it from all the way down? The diocese closed up. Bishops, it's my fault. I screwed that up. I'm never going to let that happen again. Get behind me. I'll make sure this never happens. That's a true leader. You see what happened. It failed. Then you have the humility to own up to the failure. And then say, we're never going to go, we're never going to have that happen again. Here's how we're going to go about it. And then you execute that plan. Husband, priests, same thing about your parishes. And I got a video of a priest that did that. We were saying that. Uh, I've only seen that. I've never seen anybody else say it. I know there are plenty of priests that didn't buy into it and they're still fighting it but the ones that did get scammed come on you got to be able to hone up to this and then say it will never happen again fathers same thing as your family take ownership of your mission take ownership of your job of your team of your future and take ownership of your life Lead. Lead. Lead yourself and your team and the people in your life. Lead them all to victory. Thank you. That's a, his book, Extreme Ownership, every priest should have and read. Seriously. I don't know. I don't know why they wouldn't. And just because, not to say that you need to run the church as a business, which a lot of the priests are trained in seminaries to be basically CEOs. But 
lead, to be leaders. You are the leader of that parish. The bishops are leaders of the diocese. Husbands, fathers, you're leaders of your family. <clears throat> Own up to every, no excuses. What was that? Was a sign over in the Notre Dame football thing when they're coming out of the thing? No excuses, play like a champ. Same thing. I got the, uh, a couple ideas from this uh, Crisis Magazine article where, you know, he doesn't leave his name, but he calls out everything that went down. I thought this was a great article. Please read it. It needs more people reading it. <clears throat> Ultimately, those decisions... I can't read most of it because it will probably be, uh, I'll probably get the video kicked off. But he talks about the fake charity that went on, uh, the false obedience that went down, the bad protocols adopted by the church are not acts of charity. And they remain simply ad hoc uh, policies promulgated by a particular group on how to navigate throughout uh, what happened. On the charity question, the red flag went up for me on day one. Let's see. In defense of suspension of masses, bishops and the communication staff began telling the faithful that closing the church to keep everyone safe was an act of charity. Essentially, the church running for the bunkers, like everyone else, was pitched as an innovative means of loving our neighbor. With all due respect, this is sophistry, and it does not hold up to scrutiny. If shutting down, locking your doors, and going dark and silent was truly a charitable thing to do in the face of this, then, remain then remaining open would necessarily constitute a failure of charity. Yet the essential services that stayed open and soldiered on were not denounced for a lack of charity, and they were hailed for their heroism. That gives the lie to the church, church's charity narrative. Unless, of course, the church is not an essential service, but merely a luxury like nail salons or bowling alleys. Which brings us back to the epic error of the church placing herself on the non-essential list. Error has a nasty habit of, breathing, of breeding. The charity narrative does not hold, and the innovation of obedience goes down with it. Peter standing before the Sanhedrin, or Paul before the Romans, declaring the holy, with holy boldness, we must obey God rather than men, understood this perfectly well, and both were willing to give their lives rather than submit the mission to mere men or to man-made institutions. Sadly, their successors seem to see it differently. These, these errors, the false charity, obscure and undermine the identity, priorities, and mission of the church, and the effectiveness of the witness to the world now and in the future. We basically gave up the world over last year. <clears throat> Conclusion, church leadership has sounded for all the world like a gut-wrenching parody of the Blessed Mother at the Wedding of Cana, Wedding Feast of Cana. Faced with, the, faced with the threat, the hierarchy stood before the faithful, pointed at Dr. Fashi and said, do whatever he tells you. Allowing the world to lead the church through this has, in effect, confirmed that the enemies of the church has been saying for centuries that the Catholic Church is a relic of the Middle Ages, which has no place, must have no voice in our enlightened culture. Like Esau, we've sold our birthright for a mess, for a mess of pottage. And we must firmly resolve never to commit these errors again. Amen. And here's a priest. I feel the need to publicly apologize for the events of the past year. I am a priest and therefore in a small way I represent the church. I represent her to you and also in this world 
that God loves so much. When people see me out in the world, in a restaurant, in a supermarket, in a store, at the doctor's office, they see the church. When you come to me for advice, you are not looking for my opinion, which is as fallible and fragile as your own. You want to find the guidance and the truth that God has given to the church. That is why, aware of this reality, I want to ask your forgiveness this evening and God's forgiveness in the name of the church for my sins and hers. I ask for forgiveness for having left you without the Eucharist many, for many weeks last year. Many of you, in the most difficult moments of the pandemic, turned to your father and we gave you a stone. We failed you by denying you the only food that could sustain your hope. We abandoned you when we should have been closest to you. For this, at this Holy Mass, I ask your forgiveness. The worst thing is that I cannot assure you that such a thing will not happen again, because as far as I know, I have not heard anyone express regret for what happened. What I can promise you is that I will never again be a party to something similar, and that if obedience places me in such a situation again, I will withdraw so as not to be a responsible and guilty party to something that, even today, weighs on my conscience as the act of which I am most ashamed in my entire life. That's ownership. That priest had the humility to say, I was wrong, I shouldn't have done it, we're not going to do it again, Here's what I'm going to do to avoid it next time. And as for basically, I own up to it. I screwed up. I haven't heard a single other priest do this. Again, outside the ones that are already not part of the problem that are trying to fight back. I've actually heard priests who I respect deeply basically condemn this priest for saying this and was upset at it. They don't have, I don't know what they're looking at, if reality is gone out of their heads about what's going on. And they just either they won't re, they won't re, you know, actually look at reality or they reject it because they have to admit that they were wrong. And he is, uh, Jocko mentioned that you got to check your ego. You were wrong. Admit you were wrong. Say that we're going to do this this way. Lead and then never do it again and own up to it. This should never have ever happened last year. Millions of people have left the church. And on a judgment day, when priests and bishops will have to take extreme ownership for this, what are they going to use for the excuse? It's going to be a lame excuse if they try. Anyway, God bless you. Talk to you later.